0: Every season is spooky season in our book, so settle in and prepare
1: to be Shook. You are listening to Shook, a comedic podcast about all things paranormal and unexplained. Hey everybody, I'm Amanda. And I'm Santa. Yeah, you got got a fun fun fact? fact? Oh, I do. Jinx. I have, so my first one that I want to do It's really best for on camera, so I'm sorry to those just listening, but you can still enjoy this. Um, I got a mystery Squishmallow. It's called Squishmallow's Mystery Squad, and I just wanted to open it here on the podcast and we can all find out what the mystery Squishmallow is inside this container. Oh my gosh. I can't wait. Unboxing. (laughs) Sorry for this, these noises. Sorry, Santa in post. Oh, my gosh. Y'all ready for this? I'm ready. <gasps> oh, cute. Oh, oh. What cute. and it's like kind of Valentine's theme. It says XOXO. Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl. It's a llama, I think. Oh, my God. And it has aviators, like retro stripe aviators. This is the I love cutest it. thing ever. This is going to be... Another one of Pepper's new toys.
0: So oh, I can't wait to watch him maul it to death. Just kidding. He's very spoiled to
1: have. (laughs) Well, actually,
0: with the
1: squishmallows that I've gotten him, he lays on them like they're little pillows. That's adorable. He like lays his head on them. It's real sweet. Yeah, he's he's adorable. We love him. So that was like my very exciting, probably only to me, fun fact. Do
0: you have a fun fact? Well I do, but did you wanna (laughs) did you wanna tell the story about your Instagram name?
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. So before we started recording, I was telling Amanda that I was thinking about changing my Instagram account username because it's Santa Marie and Marie is not even my middle name.
0: Oh my god, it's a um, (laughs) pseudonym.
1: It's a pseudonym in the studio. (laughs) I am a fraud. I'm a faker. But there is a reason why that is my name on there is because that used to be my nickname in middle school. My best friend, Sean, in middle school, he just called me Santa Marie. It was like an endearing thing. And I liked it. And I used it as my username for like a lot of other things. To Yeah. At the time. And so I just haven't changed it. But also fun fact, my real middle name is Denise, which is also my mom's middle name. So yeah, we have the same middle name. And yeah, so I don't know, I might not change my username.
0: I don't really feel like having to brainstorm what to change it to. I think Santa Marie is so cute. And also one thing when you change your Instagram handle, it breaks all the links to anything you were like tagged in before. So if someone were to go on our shook Instagram and then click the Santa Marie, it would just say user not found unless someone wanted to be a complete faker. It's just a lot of extra work. I've only changed my handle one time.
1: Well, well, that's that. I'm not doing it then because I don't feel like doing all that. So, yeah, you don't have to tell me twice that it's a lot of hard work. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Say less, queen. <laughs> yeah, right. Matter of fact, I believe I won't. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. But that's all, the, uh, all of the podcast-friendly tea that I really have right now. Um,
0: I do have some tea, but it's not even piping hot tea. It's not even warm tea. Hell, it's not even lukewarm tea. It's stale, cold, ass cold tea. I love cold tea. It's fine. And I probably told you about this off the record, like off the podcast, but (laughs) we're coming up on a year since this happened. And so I've been thinking about this on the topic of Instagram. Nice segue. About a year ago, I was especially active commenting and engaging with the ghost adventures crew on Instagram. And with that comes all the bots, you know, and <laughs> I get them too. I get them too. the <laughs> yeah. follows. yes. So there was one particular reel and I made a pretty funny comment on it, I think. And then suddenly I was flooded with follows from all different versions of Zach and Billy and Aaron and all these folks, right? Well, one of them really thought he had me fooled. He trolled me, but you're gonna learn here soon. I trolled him right back. <laughs> so, in my DMs, he slides in my DMs. He says, "Hi, beloved. It's me, Zach. Thanks, dear. I really appreciate. I really appreciate your love and support for keep watching Ghost Adventures. Dot. Dot. Dot." I hope you never stop supporting me and watching my movies and also going to my shows too. Beloved fan, prayer emoji, heart emoji. I was going through my official page. So I saw some, some few comments and I got attracted to yours. Then sign in to my personal page. I control and chat you up dot, dot ghost emoji, ghost emoji, heart face emoji. (laughs) I replied, "Wow, the real Zach Bagans! Such an honor, Heart Black Heart." <laughs> but here's the kicker: I accidentally misspelled his name as Bangans, <laughs> and I remember I was texting this. To, <laughs> I was texting this to my sister Emily, and she goes, "Did you really mean to say Bangans?" <laughs> and I was like, "Whoopsie!" He kept going with it though. He says, this account account is timed and it could go off anytime soon. He just told me it was his personal account. I <laughs> I created it mainly to acknowledge my fans and know what they think about me. I want to keep close friends to whom I desire. He wants to know what people think about him. <laughs> I get it. I get it. That's very on brand. He says, thanks for liking my page and show. Hope you don't stop watching my movies and shows and supporting my dreams. I really appreciate your efforts. Thanks. Prayer emoji. So much one again. Whatever that means. Smiley face. Prayer emoji. (laughs) Prayer emoji. Heart. Prayer emoji. Smiley face. Prayer emoji. What? He just goes on and on. Clap, 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 clap emoji. Okay, and then I don't respond because that's just weird. (laughs) He says, where are you from and how long have you been a fan watching Ghost Adventures and supporting my dreams? (laughs) And my screenshot, I'm so mad because I cut off part of it, but I mentioned Aaron because he's my fave, you know, and he just ignores it. He says, thanks for coming. (laughs) Thanks for (laughs) coming. Thanks for coming this long way with me. I really appreciate your effort. I really love you, beloved fan. God bless you. <laughs> prayer emoji, prayer emoji, heart emoji. Beloved so, fan. <laughs> beloved fan. <laughs> so what do you do for a living? I said, of course. I said, I work in marketing. He goes, oh, okay. I hope you never stop supporting me, question <laughs> mark. <laughs> I say, I would never. Loyal fan right here. And then I said, <laughs> Give Aaron a big hug for me, please. He's an angel. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He goes, sweet. Thanks. I will. (laughs) He did not like that. (laughs) Snow on brands. (laughs) So I said, thanks. Is the museum currently open? He says, yes, always. What gives you happiness in life? I said, awesome. Next time I'm in Vegas, I'll stop by. I said, hmm, what gives me happiness? Honestly, Taco Bell, my cats, and all the creepy shit that this world has to offer. He hearts it, and he says, are you married with kids? I said, yes, I am married, and I lied. I said, I am married, and I have eight kids. It sounds like a lot, but I manage. (laughs) He goes, and mind you, I'm child-free. He goes, oh, okay. Uh, But it not a problem to have eight kids. I love kids. I said, they're a handful, that's for sure. And um, so then I sent him this stock image of uh, about five or six goat babies, also known, as you guessed it, kids. (laughs) (laughs) That is the term for a baby goat. And yeah, so he goes, cute. And then he calls me out, he goes, Are you really in any relationship? (laughs) I said yes. I'm a happily married gal. We got married in 2020. I said he can probably find my husband on here too. He loves Ghost Adventures. He doesn't actually, but you know. Mm -hmm. And that was that. But uh, he really thought. He really thought he had me. Hook, line, and sinker. Oh my god! These bots. I hate those. I have so many
1: of those follows too, like the fake Zach Bagans accounts yeah we don't fall for that shit he should have known as soon as you said something about digital marketing that you were not going to fall for that
0: mm, yeah, yeah no no but yeah. yeah that's my fun fact my super old fun fact that i keep forgetting to mention i just thought it was a probe because this is our valentine's episode and clearly he was trying to get in these dms Yeah, he slid into your DMs.
1: Like, you know what I would have said if he slid into my DMs like that? I would have been like, I'm telling Holly Madison. Ooh. Because I'm telling. Telling. I am telling. Um, And then he would have been like, oh, no. Mm. And he would have blocked me. Block. Blocked. Just what I want. (laughs) To be blocked by Zach Baggins official one. Zock, because that's Zock guns <laughs> It's always spelled kind of wrong, and then like lots of
0: extra, like, underscores. Oh my god. Too. Yeah. Uh, they give yeah. themselves away. They really do. For me, it's, it's the grammar for me. I mean, yeah, it's always fucked up grammar. I know he mispronounces situation and says situation, but I know he's a smart guy and. There's no way he's going to send someone 18 prayer emojis followed by a sentence that doesn't even make sense. Zach Vagans does not care
1: enough to just be on his okay. own reaching out to people on nope. social media. Like, nope. no. But, yeah. Yeah, do you
0: have a story that had you shook this week? I think you go first.
1: I do. I'm ready of for course. it. Of course. So I would first like to let y'all know my source for this. Give credit where credit's due. I found my story in The Feminine Macabre, Volume 1. And it's a story written by Jennifer Jones. So she did a lot of really great research and put together a lot of the tea that I will be spilling to you here today about... Tony Joe Henry. Just so you know, this starts out as like a true crime thing. And then it's very much true crime meets paranormal uh, sitch. So you said three
0: names. So I'm thinking serial killer. It's giving that. Yeah. Okay.
1: Tony Joe Henry is not her real name. She was born Annie Beatrice McKinston, but she's known as Tony Joe Henry. She changed her name to that when she was a kid. She had a really rough childhood and she ended up in sex work at a really young age. I think at the age of 13, Ooh. she started sex work and she changed her name during that time. One thing about her as well is she also got into drugs really bad And then one day she met a man named Claude Cowboy Henry and he kind of like swooped in and saved her. Like he helped get her clean off of the drugs and everything. And he really loved her and she felt very like loved by him and she loved him so much. It was just like, yeah, he was her hero. But unfortunately, on Valentine's Day in 1940, her husband, Claude, was sentenced to 50 years in prison. Not exactly sure what he did, but mm. uh, he, he did a crime. And <laughs> so he was sentenced to 50 years in prison. And at that time, they had only been married for a few months. So she had like wedded bliss for a very short time and then it got ripped away. That sucks. Um, Yeah, she was very upset about that. So she was like, we got to figure out how to get him out. So she devised a plan with her friend Harold Burks, also known as Arky. So the plan they came up with was to steal a car, rob a bank, and then use the money to hire a good legal team so they could get Claude out of jail. One of the first things they did in their plan of crime was that they robbed a store in Beaumont, Texas, and they stole 16 guns, but they only stole ammo for one of the guns. So that was a little bit of a flop, but hey, they had a bunch of guns. So, and at least one of them worked. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) From there they hitchhiked and eventually they were picked up by 41 year old Joseph P Calloway. He was a tire salesman from Houston and everything was fine until they reached Lake Charles, Louisiana. Arky and Tony Joe pulled guns on Joseph in the car. Oh, no. They made him pull over, exit the vehicle, and climb into the trunk. So they, like, locked him <gasps> into the trunk. No. So after after locking him in the trunk, they drove a ways. They, they drove down a little side street, and then they ended up seeing, like, this big hay bale on the side of the road. And then they pulled over. They, they got him out of the trunk at gunpoint, of course, and mm-hmm. led him through a wire fence and led him to the large hay bale. Once they were at the large hay bale, they made him take off all of his clothes. And he started praying because he was, you know, freaking out. And then he looked at Tony Joe and when he looked up at Tony Joe, after he was praying, she shot him between the eyes. Um, <gasps> yeah. Oh
0: my God. He was
1: completely naked. Um, and they of course just left him there like that, but they took all of the clothes that he had taken off. They took those with him and they later burned the clothes to burn the evidence. So oh, and also sad. I know. It's really sad. And in the book, they put a picture, like a crime oh. scene photo of his like naked body, like face down and next to the hay bale. Oh my god. It's really fucked up.
0: I hate that. I don't know why
1: they had to do me like that, putting that in the book. That's just rude, honestly. I, it was a little bit of a jump scare when I turned the page, to be honest. I wasn't expecting to see that. Yeah um trigger warning uh oh and so she shot him between the eyes right but like in her confessions and things later she claims that she shot him in the heart like she didn't even remember that how she shot him also like also there's like a quote I'll read that quote later it'll probably hit better if I read it later um but there's like a quote that's really interesting about that just shows how little she really thought about <laughs> that oh murder God. and how little, yeah, just how little thought she gave to it and remorse, lack of remorse. So, yeah, Tony Joe and Arky grabbed the clothes from the ground. Arky stole his watch off of him and he, they also stole $15 out of his wallet and then they went towards Shreveport, Louisiana. And then there, that's when they burned his clothing, burned that evidence. Mm. Um, After that, they went to Stuttgart, Arkansas. Tony Joe began to get annoyed with Arky's presence (laughs) and pistol whipped him and went off on her own. She was like, okay, I don't really need you anymore. You're just a nuisance to me. I can handle this from here. Thanks. Like, Oh my God. I don't know what Arky did. Lord, a pistol whip. That's just, yeah. mm. Tony Joe was out here doing the most. Uh, Yeah. So eventually she confessed everything to her aunt and ended up in police custody. Once in police custody, she was just like telling them everything she really did. She like she told them things that they didn't even know like happened. Like honestly, if she had not confessed anything at all, like she mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have been prosecuted for it at all, you know? Wow. But she was she just went in there and was just like singing like a canary. Damn. Thanksgiving. Eileen Warnos. Yeah. A little bit, kind of. Yeah. As far as like how tough she was and and her background and yeah yeah, except Tony Joe was a little easier on the eyes I will say. Okay. Yeah, and Tony Joe was twenty six when all this went down, so she was a little younger, still a little more immature. So Tony Joe was tried and convicted three times for the murder of Joseph P. Calloway. So there were. There were three different trials. Each one got appealed, and then they had another one, and every single time they were, like, guilty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And during those trials, Louisiana changed their method of execution from hanging to electrocution. And the electric chair that Louisiana used was known as Gruesome Gertie. Gruesome Gertie. So, Tony Joe was executed on November 28th, 1942, two years after all this went down. She was the first woman to be executed in Louisiana by electric chair, and she was the second woman to be executed at all in Louisiana. Wow. Um, So, at that time, Louisiana didn't have a whole lot of female killers or females that needed to be put down, I
0: guess. Not the old yeller treatment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's so, rabid, got to put her down. <laughs> we got to put
1: her down. So, yeah, she's, she's kind of cemented in history for that as well. So before they executed her, they shaved her head, and that was very upsetting to her because um, she loved her hair. She had raven locks, um, and she had very thick hair, thick, pretty hair. Yeah, so they shaved her head, and then before, they shaved her head, because I think you have to have your head shaved for the electric chair. Um, Uh, Maybe, yeah, I think so. So that it takes, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, they shaved her head. She didn't like that. They brought her in to the electric chair, and they, of course, asked her if she had any final words, anything else she wanted to say. And she said, I believe not. (laughs) Were those her last be- words? <laughs> yes. Oh I believe God. not. It's giving me, I believe I won't. I don't believe I will actually. Like, <laughs> matter of fact, I, matter of fact, no, I won't. I don't think None so. None for me. Thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't believe I will. I don't believe I will partake. Um. <laughs> So, yeah, that's really not funny, but, like, yeah, her last words were, I believe not, as far as would you like to say anything else. And, yeah. So, backing up a little bit, before the end of her third and final trial, there were rumors about there being a curse surrounding this case. This is very much giving the omen a little bit, like, as far as, like, Mm -hmm. the way things went down. So, the state's prosecutor, C.V. Pattison, and her jailer, Deputy Rob Fanguy, died of heart attacks in the summer of 1941. Sheriff Henry A. Reed suffered a stroke while trying to tie his shoe, and District Judge Mark C. Pickerel was charged with vehicular manslaughter after killing someone with his car.
0: Mm.
1: So, basically, like, a lot of people that were in charge of prosecuting her or had something to do with her prosecution or jail time. Like they were just dropping like flies and she didn't she have nothing them. to do with it. Cause she was behind bars. So, but people started saying like, there's a curse around this. Not only is there that rumored curse because of all of those mysteriously timed deaths, but also the courthouse is rumored to be haunted The the Calcaso Parish Courthouse. The jail that she stayed in was actually demolished in 1956. So we can't really look to to that location for any hauntings from her. Mm -hmm. But yeah, apparently the courthouse is rumored to be haunted. The courthouse where she was sentenced. And here's just like some of the things that people have said about the courthouse. This is something that a lot of employees experience and that's the scent of burning hair. Like (gasps) it just comes and goes without explanation or reason and in just different parts of the courthouse. Oh my gosh. Um, And then it just goes away and there's just like, they can't find a source for it, but it's just a regular occurrence. That's crazy. It's just common for the employees to experience. Also, allegedly, the imprint of Tony Joe's body ended up being burned into the wood of the electric chair somehow. Allegedly. Gruesome Gertie. Oh my God. Yeah, which I don't know. I haven't seen any photo evidence of this or anything. I don't know if that's even a physical thing that can happen but that's what they said and when her body was taken from the electric chair the people who were observing her execution they said they saw a small orb of blue light rise from the chair like wowza yeah it's giving soul going back to source to be reincarnated and try again and maybe not kill anybody next time (laughs) I don't know. And this one is quite compelling. Um, There's a cleaning lady that didn't want to be named. So in, in Jennifer's story, in the Feminine Macabre, we call her Mrs. H. So the cleaning lady, Mrs. H, she will not go into the courtroom anymore by herself to clean. And when she goes on the second floor where the courtroom is she has a buddy with her. They have a buddy system now.
0: Okay, give that.
1: Because one day she was mopping the hallway outside of the courtroom and she like turned a corner and then she saw like standing by the window in front of her a woman with dark hair wearing a white dress and she like took off running. She left the mop and everything, and she went straight to the house. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> he said, I believe I won't. And <laughs> I believe not. And, yeah. And also prior to her actually seeing the apparition of Tony Joe, presumably, she also <clears throat> heard her calling her name too that's so, creepy yeah she heard her like saying her name she heard it first as a whisper and then the second time it was louder and then she when like, she went scrub over there
0: harder said,
1: oh actually there is <laughs> there is an account kind of related to that that i'll i don't believe I'll, you are you serious <laughs> yeah there's an account related to that which i will i'll just read this part because i didn't like write it down so, this is an excerpt from the Feminine Macabre, and it is the story titled The Ghost of Tony Joe Henry by Jennifer Jones. It also seems that if Tony Joe is haunting the building, her ghost has a sense of humor. One afternoon, some staff members had made a mess of the employee break room. Two ladies had gone into the break room, but one left shortly after. The other lady stayed behind to clean up a little. While she was busy tidying up, she heard an exasperated woman's voice say, Aren't you done yet? She turned around to say that she was trying her best and was almost done when she realized no one else was in the room. When she finished cleaning, she went back to her office and admonished her coworker for being so rude. Her coworker who had been sitting at her desk for the last 15 minutes was utterly confused and didn't know what she had done to upset the other woman. When the lady shared what she had just experienced, they both nervously laughed it off. Something that really interested me with this funny encounter is that while Tony Joe was in jail, she was known to keep both herself and her cell unusually neat and tidy. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty much the end of that like ex excerpt um but yeah so tony joe was known to be like very like clean and organized uh during her time in the prison so it kind of checks out that she would be heckling the people while they're cleaning
0: that's hilarious
1: (laughs) you missed a spot bitch (laughs) (laughs) oh the other thing the other ghostly thing that happened was that there was an old rotating filing system on the second floor, of course, and that is also rumored to be haunted. Allegedly, the cabinet would rotate by itself, even though you have to press a button to make it move. So it like, had buttons on it that would like make it rotate around so you could access all your files and stuff, all your files and folders and records. So records also went missing and there were even occasions when employees came in and found records strewn all over the floor. So somebody just been digging through there, taking mm. liberties. There was a final incident that got the got the filing cabinet shut down. And that was a woman went in there and found that the filing cabinet was rotating like rapidly, which is not even like the speed that it would turn. Whoa. Um, it was just doing it on its own and she couldn't get it to shut off like by pressing the buttons or anything. Did you try unplugging it? I don't know if she tried to unplug it. <laughs> Reboot it. Uh, she didn't, I don't know if she did all that, but.
0: Turn it basically, off and turn it back
1: on. She didn't really try to pl- unplug it or. Rebooted or anything like that. She just like stuck her hand in there to like try to stop it and it ended mm. up twisting her hand like and getting an injury from it.
0: Yikes. And so
1: at that point, they were like, We're shutting it down, we're cutting you off, filing cabinet. And so no more filing cabinet after that. RIP. So basically, this was one big fucked up love story for this Valentine's episode that. With in a story that begins on Valentine's Day, nineteen forty. if you think about it this way, there is something very romantic about the links that Tony Joe was willing to go to to try to free her man. I love him. I'm gonna stick beside him. Yeah, that was her man's. And she only got like three months of wedded bliss with him. So hmm. but that's no excuse to kill Joseph. It's no nope. excuse to kill a man and make him get naked and shoot him between the eyes. It's some bullshit. Mm. And, and the fact that she, she didn't give enough thought to the act of killing this man to even remember where she shot him. She, (sighs)
0: she
1: remembers shooting him in the heart when she shot him between the eyes. How could you forget that you shot someone between the eyes? That is like, Unless she killed somebody else. that's a, I wonder, you know what I wonder? And this is me speculating all to hell. Wildly. Yeah, this is wild speculation. I wonder if the crime that her husband was sentenced for was mm-hmm. maybe something that she did or partook in to begin with. Like, I feel like she might have been part of that that's a good theory and he's and he took the fall and that might be why she's like i gotta get him out he didn't even do nothing
0: that does sound he didn't even do nothing
1: yeah but you know that's very wild speculation i haven't really seen anyone suggest that anywhere Mm. so i don't know but that's just what some you know consider it consider that maybe she That wasn't her first rodeo with killing a man and the fact that she could do it and just keep it moving like that. The quote that I have here that really just drives home how little she cared about the murder says in the first place, the victim doesn't return to haunt me. I never think of him. That's all. She's, she's not haunted by what she did. She's not that haunted by. Yeah. Cutting. Wow. She's not wow. haunted by seeing what she did. Cause if I shot somebody in the face, that image would probably never leave my mind. I would have to drink oh my God, no. myself to death to like get that out, you know?
0: Yeah. That's, that's, oof. it's sociopath behavior. Yeah, no conscience whatsoever. Wow, that's 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 something else right there. I'll say that. Even though
1: while she was in prison she did get baptized and I don't know. I guess she like had some kind of moment where she tried to get right with the Lord. Or something, I don't know. (sighs) But yeah, that's know. the story. That's the story of Tony Joe Henry, the the true crime paranormal podcast crossover story. And apparently the Calcaso Parish Courthouse is haunted to this day. I don't know if you can go there and just be like, can I go in the courthouse and see if it's haunted? Probably not. They're probably doing business in there, so I'm not going to tell y'all. Go check it out and see if it's haunted. <laughs> They're probably doing stuff in there and don't want you in there meddling, but... All right. Maybe. They're, apparently, there's somebody that works there in the basement that has a lot of tea, according to the story.
0: Okay. I wish I could stop yawning. Oh, it's fine. It's about that time. It's It's... I mean, we're in our 30s. We're... Staying up too late these days. <laughs> oh, no.
1: no. Yeah, so that was my little Valentine's story for y'all. I love it. Hope you liked it. Hope it inspires you to be a ride or die for your partner as well. But don't kill for them. Well, so, that was great. So, yeah, anyways, uh, what story had you
0: shook? Oh, girl. Okay, y'all, I pulled a... I pulled a Santa this week. <gasps> oh, you brought your ghost book? Yes. Okay. I, I think I mentioned this book in a previous episode, but this is ghost stories of Georgia. True tales of ghostly hauntings by Chris Wangler. It's the one that I got up in. Oh God. Was it Blair? It, it D'Loniga. was Delaunaga. Thank you. It was right next to the, um, Bigfoot par- paraphernalia. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Uh, I really, really love this book and when you said you wanted to do Valentine's theme, I was like, that's freaking perfect because there's literally a whole section of this book called Tragic Love. Oh, hell yeah. So there's not really a lot of opportunities for jokes as I read this one. I'm actually going to read it to you all because it's a quick story and I couldn't do it justice by just summarizing it. It's just so beautifully written. Props to Chris Wangler. So... And it's not even that spooky either, but you'll see. Okay, without further ado, this story is called Emma's Light, which takes place in St. Simon's Island, Georgia, which is where Connelly went to high school. Woo-hoo. So the story goes, this story is about the fear of the dark, not only the absence of light, but the darkness of death of loneliness and of the emptiness that accompanies the passing of a loved one. It is, to quote the Gospel of John, a story about the light which shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. In a quiet corner of St. Simon's Island called Frederica, there is a very old and simple graveyard called Christ Church. There, among the sea-encrusted stones a flickering otherworldly light shines in the darkness as a reminder of a little girl's fear of the dark. Same, queen! Emma's fear grew out of childhood. Victoria, her leathery old nurse, would enter her room at night, extinguish the lantern, and tell scary stories that she knew by heart. Some of the stories were perversions of famous fairy tales— altered to be much scarier than their antecedents, while others were inventions of Victoria's own twisted mind, reflecting her own childhood fears and twisted obsessions. The stories all revolved around the power of darkness. Being recited in the dark made them even more terrifying to the shy four-year-old. One of the stories was about little girls who were turned into evil dolls by a witch who lived in a dark cave. In another, a man who lived alone in the woods, disguised himself as a friendly old baker. He would come to town saying that he baked too many gingerbread houses, luring away children who were hungry because they hadn't eaten their dinner. When the children arrived at his house, the imposter would imprison them in his dark basement, starve them, and then have his monkey servants bury them alive in a grave behind the house. A character in another story, The Shadow, was also a force of pure evil, obsessed with hunting down little girls who didn't do their chores. Everything he touched died instantly. Victoria's intention was to get Emma to behave, but the effect was much deeper. The little girl became so terrified of the dark that she began to scream during the night. For many months, this went on. Although Victoria was fired for scaring the little girl, Emma never lost her fear of the dark. Emma's parents tried everything to help her overcome her fear. Nothing worked. As soon as the sun set and the darkness crept into the house, Emma's fears multiplied. When her lamp went out and the darkness descended on her room, her horrid cries pierced the night air. Her father, an otherwise understanding man, grew increasingly impatient one night He instructed Emma's new nurse to lock her in her room with no light of any kind. By confronting her fear, he reasoned, his daughter could finally beat it for good. The nurse hesitated at first but performed the uncomfortable duty nonetheless. So basically exposure therapy, and I don't think it works. Like, I'm terrified of spiders, and I can't even look at a picture of a spider without freaking out. So if I'm inundated with that, it's not going to make me feel better. So, yeah. Bad parenting. Bad parenting 101. Okay. That night, Emma's blood-curdling screams could be heard nearly a mile away. Soon, everyone was out of bed, gathered nervously in the corridor outside her room. Emma's mother begged her husband to unlock the door and light the lamp. Realizing that his daughter was truly, deeply afraid of the dark, he relented, throwing open the door, lighting a candle, and apologizing profusely to the quivering girl. Emma's father decided then and there to leave the candle burning in her room every night. The next day, he instructed the nurse to buy as many candles as she could find on the island. Over time, Emma became obsessive about her candles. She collected candle stubs wherever she found them, and gradually she learned how to melt them down and to use the wax in new candles. She insisted on a certain kind of beeswax candle, which burned longer than the tallow varieties and cast a brighter light. A cedar box was specifically constructed for them and she took a handful along whenever she would visit friends. Her one limitation aside, Emma became a normal, well-adjusted young woman with many friends. She was a volunteer at her church and a Sunday school teacher. As she matured, she turned her attention to romance. The young man who caught her fancy, Philip, had recently arrived from South Carolina to work as a clerk at a shipping firm. He was tall, intelligent, and gregarious. Their courtship was like a fairy tale. Philip was an accomplished pianist, and on his initial visits, he performed serious pieces by Brahms and Mozart to entertain the family. But as his feelings for Emma deepened, he began to play romantic favorites fanciful sonatas by Chopin, Beethoven, and Liszt. He would look at Emma with piercing, <laughs> I like this part, he would look at Emma with a piercing glance at the crescendo of each selection. Spicy. Soon they were seeing each other alone. At first, Philip thought nothing of Emma's preference for daytime meetings. Whenever he asked for a nighttime stroll, she created an excuse. He began to wonder about it one September evening, when an intense discussion caused them to lose track of time. They sat alone on the edge of a shimmering pond, holding hands, and before either knew it, the autumn sun had dipped under the brilliant pink horizon. "'We must get back,' Emma said, snapping out of her lover's reverie. Her visceral fear of the dark was taking hold, and she had a desire to tell her beloved about her phobia." but she felt too embarrassed, too ashamed. Her fear, after all, was childish, almost inappropriate. Philip looked at her questioningly, awaiting an explanation. Everything seemed perfect. He suspected something was wrong, but didn't ask as he led her home. The couple was soon engaged. The families on both sides got along extremely well and looked forward to the wedding. Emma's family, however, knew of her fear of the dark while Philip and his family had no clue. The night before the wedding, Philip came to the house to discuss the final preparations. Everything seemed in order, from the flowers to the guests to the elaborate reception, except for one rather significant matter, Emma's fear of the dark. She had managed to keep it from her fiancé for nearly a year. For weeks leading up to the wedding, she had tried and tried to sleep without her candles lit tossing and turning and reliving her childhood nightmares. Nothing worked. Now, with her wedding night at hand, she would have to tell Philip. Emma walked to the window and looked out to the garden. Philip approached her and grasped her shoulders from behind. What's wrong? he asked. Emma broke down and confessed. Oh, Philip, I... I... I'm terrified of the dark. That's it? he exclaimed. How silly. You needn't worry about that, my dear, or anything else. Uh, As your husband, I will love you as you are for all time. (laughs) That's so sweet. He's such a sweet bean. (sighs) Okay. Emma was overjoyed. The couple was married the next day at Christ Church in Frederica. They lived for a year or so in Brunswick, then moved back to St. Simons, where Philip helped his father-in-law manage his growing plantation and related businesses. At first, Philip struggled to cope with the light from Emma's candles. He trained himself to not notice the light whenever it would awake him, but rather to cast his glance on his wife as she slept. The look of tranquility on her face would soon lull him back to sleep. Emma's candles were ideally suited for her life. Some were longer than others to last through the long winter nights, while still others had different wicks depending on the breezes that might enter her bedroom. When they were ready for storage, Emma tied the candles in neat bundles, labeled them by month, and stored them in an impressive wall of cedar trunks in the cellar. Not that she needed so many. Even if Emma had five candles burning every night, her supply would have lasted months, even years. Having accepted Emma's obsession with candle making, Philip began to buy her the appropriate supplies so she could indulge the security it brought. But Emma's obsession ultimately took a tragic turn. One day, while lifting a heavy cauldron of boiling wax, Emma spilled some on her arm. The burns were very severe and soon became infected. After home remedies failed, doctors were summoned to the house and announced that she had come down with the yellow fever as well. Emma's condition became steadily worse, and soon she was beyond help. On her last night, the family doctor emerged from Emma's lit room. Summon the minister, he instructed Philip, only heaven can help her now. Philip was heartbroken. With tears welling up, he entered their bedroom. Emma sensed her husband nearby, and in a soft whisper, began to speak. Philip, my love, she began, struggling to stay lucid. I have only one final wish. (sighs) Whatever happens, please keep a candle burning through the night and after I am dead. I don't want to lie in the dark cemetery alone. Of course, Emma. The light will burn always, like my love for you. (laughs) Then Emma was gone. She was buried in the Christchurch Cemetery the next day. Thereafter, every night at dusk, without fail, Philip rode in a carriage to her gravestone, lit one of her beeswax candles, and placed it in a sturdy lantern. Then he said a prayer for her soul and for his own, that they would be reunited in death. Nothing stopped him in this ritual. Not foul weather, sickness, time, or apathy. Philip never remarried until he himself lay in a grave next to his wife's. He made sure Emma's light shone in the darkness. Today, the light still shines in the cemetery on St. Simon's Island. No one on St. Simon's will disclose the location of Emma's gravestone, and the flickering light goes out when it's approached. But it shines all the same. A symbol of one woman's fear, her husband's promise, and the love they now share in the world beyond. That's like so sad. It's really sad. I've read this three times, and every time I cry, I'm like, gosh dang it. Like the fact that he would come to her grave every single night without fail, no matter the circumstances. Like, if he wanted to, he would yes queen he would if he wanted to he would that's exactly right and like this sounds so sappy but it's valentine's day so fuck it i'm gonna say it i read that and the way he talks about her um when he says uh pretty much like he loves her no matter what and he loves her for who she is like that's the kind of stuff that connelly will say to me but not in necessarily in those words he just says be you you know like i love you for you and like i think i think that's the sweetest thing that you could say to the person you love because who wants to be loved for inauthentic reasons you know like it it just doesn't it doesn't hit the same way you know what i'm saying so that was depressing as hell and it wasn't very spooky but the i thought the story was very sweet and um very perfect for valentine's day and there apparently the legend the urban legend is that there are lights in the graveyard and you can see them but when you get too close poof they go away i
1: thought it was really a plot twist that she died by the candle wax instead of the house burning down i was really expecting you to say that like the house burned down
0: like that's what because- i was thinking
1: the whole time that shit fire hazard out here burning a candle all the live long night every
0: night. Seriously. But like an infection back then, if you get yeah. an infection, you're fucked. Yeah. And then back in the day, you know, yellow fever was running rampant, at least mm-hmm. in the South. And when you get a double whammy like that, like. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was going to be a fire. I you're was like, out. Oh, well, this is easy. <laughs> you're out. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no. We love a good callback. Um <laughs> Wow, I didn't ever think I would cry on a fucking comedy podcast. Um Yeah, you did cry. Ah, I'm such a sap. I'm such a sap. I love a good love story. When I tell you the first time I saw the notebook, I wailed. Yeah. I wailed. Yeah, oh my god. That one. Like I can't.
1: That one is rough. And I've rewatched that movie multiple times and every single time it kills me. And there's just something about like an old couple too that's like been together for so long and they're like soulmates, you know, like that's what gets me is the old God in the nursing home.
0: I can't. uh... Yeah, I can't. I can't do sappy stuff like this. Don't do me like that. I can't. That. Yeah, I can't. Either. I can't and I won't. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I do have a palette <sighs> cleanser. It's, it's pretty, cl- it's pretty, it's pretty quick. But I have a palate cleanser that uh, is kind of interesting. I'm sure you've heard about artificial intelligence and how AI is yeah. going rampant, literally in every sense of the word. So there's obviously the Chat GPT. Yeah. Uh, And I've been playing with that a lot lately. Really? And um, yeah. And um, (laughs) in the spirit of Valentine's Day, I asked it to write me a love story between (laughs) two cryptids. Okay. Okay. Hell yeah. (laughs) Well, technically a cryptid and (laughs) an alien. I guess aliens count as cryptids too. I don't know. But AI said... Once upon a time, in a far-off galaxy, there lived an alien named Zog. Zog was a curious being, always searching for adventures and new experiences. One day, one day while on a reconnaissance mission, Zog stumbled upon a strange creature known as Veggie Man. Veggie Man? This is for you, Mothboy Matt. <laughs> Did you put Veggie Man in as a value? Maybe. I played with it a few times because I I was kind of digging. I was I was looking for this, kind of, sort of, but it was mostly organic. Fresh, farm-to-table, organic mm. storytelling. Um, <laughs> Veggie Man was a cryptid with a passion for all things green and leafy. He lived in a lush forest surrounded by towering trees and fragrant flowers. Despite his love for the natural world, Veggie Man was lonely, yearning for someone to share his life with. Zog and Veggie Man quickly became fast friends, bonding over their love for adventure and their mutual curiosity about the universe. But soon, Zog realized that his feelings for Veggie Man had grown into something more. He was smitten with the cryptid, and he longed to spend every moment by his side. How sweet. Unfortunately, their happiness was short-lived. One day, a group of space bandits threatened threatened to destroy Veggie Man's beloved forest, and he was forced to take a stand. Veggie Man rallied the creatures to the forest and prepared for battle, but Zog was torn. (laughs) He wanted to help his love, but he also didn't want to risk their lives. As the battle raged on, Veggie Man was badly injured, and Zog's heart shattered. He realized that he couldn't to live without veggie man by his side in a moment of desperation zog made a bold move he climbed to the top of the tallest tree and cried out to the universe declaring his love for veggie man and begging for help to zog's amazement the universe answered his call a powerful energy surged through him and he used it to defeat the space bandits and save veggie man's forest As Veggie Man lay recovering in his arms, Zog finally confessed his love, and the cryptid reciprocated. And so, Veggie Man and Zog lived happily ever after, exploring the universe together and spreading love and joy wherever they went. Despite the drama and danger, their love had stood the test of time and proved that anything is possible when you have someone special by your side.
1: Oh my gosh! (laughs) AI wrote that, that, dude. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, that Chat GPT thing is like out here coming for everybody's necks. Like, seriously, really like novelist who
0: now Chat GPT can just do it. Would you believe it if I told you I asked Chat GPT to write about our podcast? and it did it what did it say god all right here we go chat gpt said this about shook shook the hilarious podcast about all things paranormal and unexplained are you a fan of ghost stories ufo sightings and other paranormal and unexplained phenomena if so you'll love shook the new comedic podcast that explores all things supernatural and mysterious Hosted by two best friends with a passion for the paranormal, Shook is equal parts informative, entertaining, and hilarious. Thank you. (laughs) Each week, they dive into a different topic, whether it's haunted hotels, mysterious creatures, or unexplained phenomena, and provide their unique perspective on the subject. With their quick wit and humorous commentary, they bring a fresh and lighthearted take to a genre that is often associated with darkness and fear. What sets shook apart from other paranormal podcasts is its focus on humor. The hosts are not afraid to make fun of themselves, each other and often bizarre topics they cover <laughs> each other, each other. I don't know but I don't know about that. Um, whether they're discussing ghosts, cryptozoology, or supernatural events, they always find a way to add a laugh. This makes for a highly entertaining listening experience and is sure to have you in stitches. One of the standout features of Shook is its impeccable research. Oh, hey-oh. Despite the comedic tone, the hosts take their subject matter seriously and put in the time and effort to provide accurate and reliable information. They draw on a variety of sources, including books, ghost books, articles, and interviews with experts to ensure that their listeners have access to the most up-to-date information on each topic. In addition to its entertaining content, Shook also has a strong community of fans. The hosts are highly active on social media, and they frequently engage with their listeners <laughs> answering questions. online like what (laughs) chronically i have a problem i have a problem okay (laughs) and they frequently engage with their listeners answering questions responding to comments and sharing their thoughts on recent paranormal events This makes for a truly interactive experience and fans of the podcast are sure to feel like they're part of a larger community of like-minded individuals. In conclusion, if you're looking for a fun and entertaining way to explore the world of the paranormal and unexplained, look no further than Shook. With its unique blend of humor and expertise, this podcast is sure to become a staple in your listening rotation. So why not give it a listen and discover the strange and hilarious world of the paranormal for yourself. Oh, my God. Like, no cap. That came out of a fucking AI That's thing. so fucking cool. Chat GPT just gassed us up. Thank you,
1: GPT. <laughs> like. Gas. I loved that they said, like, well-researched. Because when we when we
0: prepare, we prepare, okay? I guess the only way I got that information about our podcast is I list all of... All of the sources, the sources in our show notes. Yeah, yeah every single time. Maybe that's how. Um, mm-hmm. And they'd but. be creeping on our socials because they do be looking at the engagements. Okay? Yeah. Okay, we out here. We are out here engaging. We're out. With, with y'all. <laughs> yes. So anyways. We're terminally uh, online. Gonna, yes. But yeah, that was that's all I've got. And this was kind of a – might be a, a long episode. We'll see in, in post. But anyways – I'm so ready to make my weekly
1: spaghetti. Go get that weekly spaghetti. I'm so hungry. I haven't eaten all day. Oh wait, I did eat earlier. I had a a butter chicken. Ooh,
0: yes. fancy
1: butter chicken. Saffron Road.
0: Ooh, sounds good. Yeah. You already know where I'm going tonight. I know you're going oh, to pick up Connolly. <laughs> yes. Going to get my husband and we're going to go get us some some good stuff, if you know what I mean. Zoots, Taco Bell. Oh. Obviously. Yeah. Honestly, all I want for my birthday is a retro, or it doesn't have to be retro. I just want a t-shirt with the Taco Bell logo on it. I think that's oh what I want. Oh, my God. For I think that's what I want. Hell yeah Yeah I think I'm all Yep I'm all tell everybody I know And maybe If I tell everybody I know Maybe I'll wind up with like Four or five Taco Bell shirts Yes And you can just wear them Like all the time (laughs) Every single day Like there's a sign (laughs) There's a sign at the Taco Bell And it says Now hiring Work here and eat for free And I'm like Don't tempt me with a good time (laughs) Yeah (laughs) Yeah <laughs> unlimited cheesy gordita crunches hello oh <laughs> yes <yeah>.
1: please <laughs> i want some yeah. taco bell well i want to try I'll your spaghetti. spaghetti. oh you would love it it's really good and i'm gonna make some for sonata too she gets to have some because she's here
0: Yay. she's in the living
1: room studying for nursing school
0: Way to go, Sonata. We're very proud of best friend Sonata. Yes. Give her a high five for me. Tell her I said what's up. I will. Um, But yeah, that's our show. Hope you liked it. Yeah. Happy Valentine's Day. Or Galentine's Day. Or Galentine's Day. Whatever you
1: like. Or if you ignore the holiday altogether, happy
0: wednesday yeah happy wednesday and actually no wait valentine's day is gonna be on tuesday oh happy tuesday happy tuesday ruby tuesday Uh, (laughs) get you some chocolate you know what just
1: treat yourself regardless that's what yeah that's what i always do on valentine's day because like nine times out of ten i am single um So I just like buy my own stuff that I want and I have a great time with the stuff that I bought.
0: Yep, I think that's the way to do it. Which is
1: usually like wine and candy or something, but I still have a great time with it.
0: Well, since my birthday is literally seven minutes before Valentine's Day, I just kind of ignore Valentine's Day. Connelly and I have an agreement like we ain't got to do all the crazy shit. Like let's just do what we always do and hang out. Like we don't have to. We're not going to give in to this Hallmark holiday. No, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Simply ridiculous.
1: Okay, we love y'all. That being said, if anyone wants to get me flowers, you can.
0: Yes, PO box. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Send them. (laughs) Yeah, they'll be like wilted. (laughs) Send them to Santa's favorite Mexican restaurant, Los Arcos. Los Arcos. I always (laughs) want to call it Laredos. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> or la terraza just whatever whatever santa you've got so many not so secret admirers you're bound to get some chocolate
1: yeah get it at me i like gifts i mean gift giving is my love language to give but i also do like to receive gifts as well as some of you yes know. so yeah and yeah uh and amanda's birthday like she said is the day before valentine's day so it- as far as Amanda's concerned, it's like Valentine's Day. We don't know her. We only know <laughs>
0: who is she? Amanda's even? birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah.
1: Anyways, right, can't well, wait
0: to see you soon. Can't wait to see you soon too. At an undisclosed time and location. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. There will definitely be BTS content from that for sure.
1: Yes, I'm. I want. I want all of the Twilight marathon. I'm gonna make a cocktail and a mocktail, or at least just a mocktail. I'm at least doing a mocktail. I don't know. I might do both, but it's we're doing it up.
0: Hell yeah! But anyways, we love bye. you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shook. New episodes of Shook drop every other Wednesday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Soon to be wherever you find your podcasts. Check out our show notes for more information on this week's episode, our social links, and more. Until next time, stay shook. Hey, do you have a personal paranormal encounter that you'd like to share with us? Visit our website, shookpodcast.com, to fill out our contact form. Or you can send us an email at shookparanormalpod at gmail.com.